a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello, I'm Nigel Lithgow, and I was the executive producer of Pop Stars, My Idol, Pop Idol, and American Idol. And these are my idol memories. Hi there, and welcome to my podcast. Hopefully you've subscribed to My Idol Memories, and more importantly, you've rated us. You're all probably aware that I was a dancer many years ago. Well, after 40 years of throwing my body around, I managed to screw up five discs in my cervical spine, which is now all held together by a titanium plate. And every morning I used to wake up with a stiff neck and and really tight leg muscles. That is, until I found TheraOne CBD products. Now, I use a thing called Revive. It's a CBD body balm, and it's meant to warm and ease stiff and sore muscles. It's designed basically to ease all of the areas that need it most, from a muscle strain in the gym to a neck, and it just lightens and, and it's any sort of acute discomfort that you have. I also use Soothe, which is a CBD massage oil, and that really melts away any pressure and tension that I might have and supports any stress relief. And goodness knows, during 2020, how stressful has this year been? And relaxation and peace of mind are getting harder and harder to achieve. So the one suggestion that I would love to advise you to try are the TheraOne CBD products for tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, and to simply making it through each busy day. Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Now, through Labor Day, Monday, September the 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash idle. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, you can send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash idle, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash idle. Enjoy. Today, it gives me a great deal of pleasure to be able to provide you with an insight into what was happening behind the scenes, which you would not have known whilst watching the first season of American Idol. One of the most important things our singers needed on American Idol was their voice. Now, I know that sounds flippant, but the fact is they were singing for five to six hours every single day. When they weren't singing, they were talking to the press or recording commercials. It put an enormous strain on their voice. On top of that, nerves played a big part in tightening up their vocal cords. This often led to a situation where many of them looked like they would lose their voice. It was only with the help of my next guest, along with our resident doctor, Dr. Nazari, that we managed to get so many of the singers through this demanding and grueling competition. Classically trained from the age of 12, this Cleveland native had experienced opera, gospel, R&B, and pop in her professional career. Having also performed in numerous Broadway shows, her professional qualifications were impeccable. Add to this her natural warmth, charisma, 
and understanding, and you have a perfect senior vocal coach and arranger for American Idol. Because of her own experiences, the empathy she had with the contestants certainly resonated with them and thereby provided trust, help, and support. She is an American Idol hero of mine. Please welcome Bird. Yay! Hey, darling. <laughs> Thank you. Hey. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you, Nigel. I'm thrilled. I've got to ask you, though, you know, we, we always knew you affectionately on the show as Bird. Was that just us or was that always your nickname? I grew up being called Bird, Bird in various forms. Some As a kid, I was called Tweet Tweet or Birdie. <laughs> um, so I was always called Bird. And, I, and because I sang, people thought I made it up. Oh, you're just making that up because you sing. So no, my dad's name is Bird. His last name is Bird. And so for some reason, people just stuck with Bird. And on American Idol's first season, there were a lot of Debras and Debbies. Right. I think there were six of us. And I always thought it would be, it would be awkward for me to say to one of the contestants, okay, now you're going to have to go and speak to Debbie. And then after you speak to Debbie, the stage, stage manager, then you're going to have to speak to Debbie, the um, sound lady. Then you have to speak to Debbie, who's the assistant AD. It's like, that's too many Debs. Right, so it's just right. easier to say bird. Yeah, I totally understand that. Uh, of course, with my name, there are very, very few Nigels on any production I've ever been on. Uh-huh. Debbie, tell me. How did your own career as an artist, including your work with Barry Manilow uh, and your own group, Lady Flash, how did that affect how you helped and coached our contestants? Well, being an artist on the RSO Polydor label as part of a three-girl group, Lady Flash, and performing around the world with Barry Manilow, he was our producer, um, I toured with Bob Dylan and Fergal Sharkey, just to name a few people. Wow. Um, uh, and having performed in five Broadway shows, and not to mention how many off-Broadway shows, but being a vocal arranger for shows and concerts made me very confident in what I brought to Idol. Right, and right. Um, I was not a vocal coach. Um, I was not coaching, period. I was performing all the time. And um, I got a reputation in New York for being in shows, and singers would have a hard time. they go, oh, go to Bird, she'll fix it. Just tap on the dressing room door. She'll fix it. So all of this experience really went and helped you coach these kids. Number one, it gave you the confidence to be able to do it. Absolutely. As a performer, I've been them. That was something that I would always say to the singers. I know what you're going through. I've been you. I've done that. I've competed. I've had people critique me and all that stuff. So I, I know what they're, they've been going through. I remember seeing you sing with Barry Manilow. I think the track was, I know I'll never love this way again. The, the D.M. Warwick number. Oh, yes. That was one of the duets that I did with him. Ah. And also, you may not remember this, but... Barry Manilow came to the UK, his tour came to the UK, and we were at the London Palladium. All right. And fast forward, I remember I named the show and you told me, oh, that's my show. It was probably Sunday night at the London Palladium, the television show. Uh -huh. That's right. And I did uh, many shows there. In actual fact, my very first television show as a dancer was on the London Palladium stage. My goodness, because Barry and I, were, we were standing on stage just marveling at being Americans and just being on the stage at the London Palladium. We were very impressed. Fabulous theatre. When Barry came on the show, how did that make you feel? Oh, I was very proud that he was there because I know that you and Ken were very ex excited about having him there. And he didn't want to go on the show. He, he looked at it, he, he did watch it, he said, no, I don't want to go on. I don't want to see the show until his friends began calling him about this uh, singer who looked like him, Clay Aiken. <laughs> then he became excited about it. He said, OK, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then when he was on, um, I knew all the songs, of course. And you had him do something at his suggestion that was very wise. And that was Barry Manilow said, I don't want these singers to sing my arrangements. He said, they're 30 years old. He said, I don't even want to hear them. I want to redo the production, the tracks for every singer. So you gave him two weeks to put the, 
the arrangements together and the tracks together for each singer. And that was absolutely brilliant. I don't think you've done it before or since. Never, never. But, you know, we we had to fly the kids out to Vegas to do the initial uh, key setting, the keys and everything else. And I was surprised that he flew himself back to Los Angeles to be there for the recording of the kids, to help them, to coach them with you. Uh, and this was off his own bat mm-hmm. uh, and because he cared so much, number one, for his music, I'm sure, but also for each of the contestants. And that left me with a great deal of respect, both for his musicianship and for him as a person. Oh, yeah, he's quite a musician. I always would say to him his greatest talent, in addition to all the hit records he's got, I would always say to him his greatest talent was as an arranger. Sure. Because he could always hear a different way. And I think it's part of my karma to be with artists who can hear a song one way, then take it and flip it into a different way. Bob Dylan is like that. I toured with him as well. So I got a chance to experience that with Barry Manilow and with Bob Dylan. Um, So that's one of the things that I was so happy to bring to Idol because when uh, the first time we did that was with David Cook. Right, right. And David, David Cook took Michael Jackson's songs and made them into rock ballads. Yeah, but don't forget, um, Barry Manilow was also Bette Midler's musical director for many years. And he's the only guy, I think, that can take a song and put it through about five different keys in one <laughs> go. Uh, he's a, a, a remarkable musician. Yes. Uh, tell me. Which of the contestants that you remember across the series did not take your advice? And what did you do about that? Well, season one, um, there was a singer named Jamar Simmons, I think. Ah, I didn't know his last name. It was Simmons, was it? I think so. I only knew him as Jamar. Mm-hmm. And, and we thought he just must have had a horrible last name, so he never told us. Well, Jamar, um, season one, I remember he was singing, a, 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 I think it was Careless Whisper. That's right. Well, and, he, he shouted it. And I said to him in the rehearsal, Jamar, you sing great. I think you should lower the key a half step because right. it sounds as if you're shouting. Yes. And he said, oh, no, I sing it like this all the time. I can pull it off. I can do it. I said, um, would you do me a favor and test drive a hair, a half step down? And he did. And he said, mm, no, I want to sing it in the original key. He said, I promise you, Bert, I can pull it off. Now, of course, the critique that, shi- that, that Simon Cowell said was, you shouted the song. I need you to know. Fast forward, of course, he was eliminated. Fast forward when we did the American Idol in Vegas, season one, when you brought the top 30 back and he looked at me. He didn't say hello. He didn't hug me. He looked at me and he said, I should have changed the key. I should have listened to you. And I just started laughing because I'm sure he thought about it for months and months after that. Must have eaten him away. Yeah, It must have. Yeah, it had to because it was on his mind heavily. Who was the best contestant that you had that, that <laughs> really listened to you? Well, you know, Nige. I think they all really listened to me because I I would say to each of them, thank you for trusting me. Right. Because it is a trust factor because they come in with their own sensibilities. My mom loves it when I sing it this way. Or, you know, my family is really into it. My school loves it. But I would say to each of them, "Um, this is a new arena. You've never been here before. And they they would hear that. Um, So there were a lot of them. I would say... I would say 99% would trust me and take my advice because they, the phrase that would, that would stick with me that singers would say is, oh, you're the professional. I have to trust you. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Were you shocked? Because obviously, you know, I've spoken about this a lot. Uh, America had never really had the type of critiques that Simon Cowell was giving. Were you shocked by what he used to say to the kids? Yes. It was shocking in that, and with me being an auditioner and um, having auditioned people, I've been on both sides of the table. I remember remarking that America has never heard critique like that. Um, And that was quite a shock to everyone's system. 
I remember people were very upset about it. The the listening public families were upset. I remember that there were uh, threats, death threats to the studio. I remember having to get out of my car because my car had to be searched before I could come on the lot. And that was a big deal. And we were all lined up and we had to get out, get out of the car, open the trunk. Someone, the security would look in our cars, look in our trunks before they would let us through the gates. Because of people being upset with the critiques that Simon was giving. And and what, they thought somebody was going to attack Simon? Uh-huh. Well, let me tell you the truth. The threats came from me and Paula Abdul, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Did you create that, night? <laughs> I pleaded the fifth. <laughs> tell me something, looking back. What did you most love about doing American Idol? This is going to sound corny. I loved everything about it. Mm-hmm. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just the most extraordinary new thing. And it became, people, people began loving the show so much. And the, it was hard. It was very hard work. And I remember putting in 17-hour days every day. Yeah. I remember uh, someone in editing said, you were here when I left last night, and you're here before me getting in the next day. But that's because I wanted it to be right. I wanted the singers to have the advantage. And one of the things that you imprinted on me was that you wanted the sing. It was all about the singer, period what they need, what they want to make them look good, everything it took. So that means that musically, I wanted to give them the arrangement that suited their heart and their talent and their sound and making sure that they could navigate this craziness that was interviewings and wardrobe and um, um, rehearsals and dancing and recording. It was, and staging was quite a, quite a thing, quite a task put on these singers. And I loved Every second of it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I've got to say it's the best show I've ever done, the most gratifying. Uh, and and just being able to work with some of those really talented kids. But but I'll tell you what used to annoy me. is That is, we'd obviously spend a lot of time choosing the songs with them. They'd, they'd finally say, yeah, this is what I want to sing. And then, of course, that we have to go to the arranger and the arranger would make the arrangements for the orchestra. And then sometimes the day before the show, they wanted to change their song. And it was a crazy time to try and get everything back together again and send new music out to the arranger and get everything back in time because you wanted to give them the same opportunity as everyone else had had. But that happened a number of times. That must have been annoying for you too. Absolutely. Um, It would be painful. And let me tell you what I loved. You just brought something to my mind. Uh Uh-oh. When... Especially when they didn't like their song, they want to change it. But they're not really sure what the change is going to be. You and I would do a basic floor (laughs) show. We would sing and dance. Okay, this is how this goes. And it's dramatic and it's got high notes. It's like, yeah, I don't want to. And then we'd have to do another song. (laughs) Then we'd go all over again and we'd tap dance. And you and Kenny and I would just be dancing and singing. And And the singer would go, no, I don't like that. And we'd all over again, and it would take hours and hours until we would finally hit pay dirt with something. And there was quite a celebration when we did, but oh my goodness, that was painful. I mean, I I think I've told you this, but I I made the mistake in England of telling a girl what to sing, and when she got cut, she said, oh, Nigel told me to sing that. So I always swore that I would never, ever uh, tell anybody else what to sing again, but I would offer them as much as I could. Uh, and it was really embarrassing. Well, you know, it's a great policy because um, the singers are in so, they're so tense, they're so nervous, and they would be glad to throw you under the bus at any <laughs> second, at any yes. given moment. It's not my fault. She made Bird's fault. Bird made me do this. Like, so I, I, I thank you for putting that into play immediately from the beginning. Yeah. And I, I, I'll be honest with you. I was amazed at how little music from the past that the American kids knew. I mean, British kids had a much bigger library of tunes in their heads up until, uh, and and nearly all American tunes, I have to say, up until about the 60s when, of course, the British bands took over a bit. But here, uh, I remember, as, uh, as I'm sure you do, of 
even telling Fantasia about Gershwin's Summertime. She'd never, ever heard it before. A lot of them had never heard of uh, uh, so many songs throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, which I was shocked at. Yes, um, American radio is very uh, um, categorized. Right. Um, it's R&B, it's country, or it's rock. It's it's just in those slots. And when you turn on your radio, if you're not into country, if you hear country songs, like I don't want to hear that. If you hear rap, you don't want to hear that. Then you then you just generate to that one lane of musical thought. Whereas in in England, I loved listening to the radio because I lived there for a little a short while, and everything was played on one station. Yeah, sure. They wouldn't just um, be have just have one lane. So I think it's a product of that. And also the singers were products of what their parents listened to. And the parents have that same sensibility. So it's like, okay, we are an Elvis house. We only listen to Elvis all the time. So yeah. um, that is shocking. And, oh, and I, I need to say to you, Nigel, one of my proudest moments, because before doing the show, I had lived in New York for so long, um, being part of the New York um singers and actors um, situations the situations there. I remember a friend of mine saying, oh, you've got that American Idol gig. You get a chance to teach them some songs because they don't know music history. Right. And I always held that in my heart because that's my whole thing is like, teach a singer today. Teach them music history. Who is Ella Fitzgerald? Who, who is Rosemary Clooney? Who are these people? Why do people love them? Right. Um, so I love that that was part of my mission that I took on myself so yeah. that I could yeah. educate the singers. Part of my mission too, which is why we went from the 40s through 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and into the new millennium. But, and a big but, <laughs> they often chose the wrong song for them. I, re I remember um, Rhodesia Eves, and she chose to sing um, The Monkey's Cheer up, sleepy genie. Yep, daydream believer, yes. Daydream believer. And she tried to give it, um, well, what Randy described as an urban feel. Uh, and she growled some of the notes. And it was just too much of a simple pop tune to be able to do anything with it. Uh, and it just didn't work. But we, we tried to say that there are so many songs out there that are just beautiful melodies or great lyrics that you can do things with if you are being creative enough. And certainly we saw that across the series, as you mentioned, David Cook. I could also mention Adam Lambert uh, and, and other people that took songs that we knew and just changed them up. Yes. Uh, and, and, and that was really important. But I do feel as though we educated as well as entertained not just the singers but also the American public into hearing so many different songs. Even Kelly Clarkson and uh, you know didn't know a lot of the Motown stuff. That's true. And the other thing is, for season one, not one of them knew Burt Bacharach's songs at all. One of the greatest American pop songwriters, along with Hal David, uh, and frightening. Exactly, they didn't know those great uh, Dionne Warwick songs. Yes, uh, they did. They had no idea and. I remember when he came to, to Idol, you had him come to mentor um, so that the singers could learn his songs. And I remember having to sing every single song. Yeah. And I was thrilled about that Burt Bacharach time because it took me back to when I was a kid. And for some reason, I would sit in the kitchen floor and listen to Burt Bacharach all day long. And that's the payoff. So my heart was just thrilled that day that, that he was there playing and singing with the singers. Um, yeah. I think it was top four. I'm not, I'm not sure, but, or top five, but it was quite amazing. And the fact that they didn't know any of his songs. And I remembered him asking Kelly if she knew Alfie and she said, Nope, never heard it. And we all went, ah. so yeah, thank you. That's what American Idol did. And, and, and that reminds me of, uh, one of the things I also loved about being at Idol was sitting in your office and you would play me the vibe of the week. <laughs> you would play me the 60s songs. You'd play me the 70s songs. You'd play me the Burt songs. We would sit there and you would say, okay, this is these are the songs that are cleared. And 
that was so thrilling to me because I was so happy about the volume of songs that I knew and also about the songs that uh, um, that were new to me and um, different versions of the songs because you knew the mamas and papas version of this is dedicated to the one I love and I knew an R&B version. Wish I knew the artists of the R&B version. Okay. The Shirelles sang. Ah. Uh. Saying this is dedicated, dedicated to the one I love. Thank you. Okay. Tell me, across the series, once once you know we got to I don't know, halfway through the series, did you ever think I know who's going to win this year? I rarely had that feeling. I could predict maybe the top three. I, I think I would go as far as that, the top three. I was like, okay, it's going to be these people. But prob- the only time, of course, top two, it becomes obvious who it's going to be uh, in my book. Um, for instance, I knew that Adam Lambert, as well as he sang, would not win. Why? And because of America. Why? I knew America would not let an, an openly gay man be an American idol. I absolutely agree. Yeah. I mean, there were times when I knew certain contestants were gay. Uh-huh. Uh, and they said, should we come out? And I said, well... Not until you finish your time with American Idol, just in case it affects your vote, mm-hmm. which, as you rightly point out, it could well have done. Uh, and I wanted people judged on their talent and not on their sexual preferences. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. It seems to me that because of the voting aspect, that the American Idol winners were all from southern states. Yeah, I never thought about that, but... Yeah. I think they're every single one of them. That's another reason I thought Adam Lambert wasn't wouldn't win. Even though he's from San Diego by way of New York, I didn't think he was going to win um, because Chris Allen also is from a Southern state. But I think every idol, every winner's from a Southern state. Yeah, I think across the, the years, the, the voters actually changed. Aha. Uh-huh. So, you know, we had a, a whole season after season after season of uh, White Boy with Guitar. Yes. That sort of, of <laughs> That's one. right. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, and I certainly don't want to knock any of them because anyone who won, uh, I believe, deserves to win. Yes. Because it's such a long season and they've got to keep delivering and delivering. Um, so I, I'm for every idol that ever won. Yes. But the only one that won every single week was Carrie Underwood. Mm. Otherwise, the vote jumped around to different people. But Carrie Underwood won every single week. That's great. Amazingly, really, yeah. yeah. Were you surprised at some people who won? Was I surprised? I don't think so. Because doing the show taught me why people win. And I guess it's because I was so close to them. Normally, before the winner is announced, I'm backstage with the two contestants and experiencing what they're experiencing. So it didn't surprise me. I was always grateful that they made the journey in one piece. So it didn't hit me as being surprised. I was just glad that they lasted because at that point they were tired. Their voices were tired. Um, So it didn't hit me that way. I remember being backstage with Fantasia and Diana DeGarmo the three of us in a huddle, they're holding me. Our heads are pressed together, her blonde hair, my my this hair, and Fantasia's hair, and we were just crying. So my experience does not hit me like like that. It hits me as, as being connected to them and their journey. So I don't think I have an answer for that one, Nige. Mm, okay. Well, I, I just get the fact that Emotion overtook us on many occasions, I think, uh, because we were so involved. Uh, as you rightly said, we we were with them for so many hours of the day and rooting for them and hoping that they'd do well and, and hoping that Simon wouldn't be too tough on them. But that, of course, was the element of the show that separated us from the other talent shows that were around. You know, there's really tough comments that just made you stop and catch your breath. And certainly in that first season, we had some wonderful, talented singers on. Uh, I remember Tamira Gray, uh, uh, Justin Guarini, of course, 
Christina Christian had something special as well. I, I didn't always think it was her voice because I thought her vibrato was a little too much for me. And then, of course, Kelly Clarkson came through. But in those first semifinals, I thought Justin Guarini didn't sing as well as Gil did Ribbon in the Sky. But Cowell said, and rightly so, I think, that Justin Guarini had the X Factor, which was even more than a great vocal. Have you found that, that some of our better stars, if you will, are based on personality even more than their vocal ability? Yes, yes, yes. It's true. Um, uh, and you just reminded me, that is when the singers could sing the same song. They um, could sing the same song, and they could choose any song that they wanted. That's right. Apart from We Had to Clear It. That's right. But they could sing any song that they wanted during this part of it. And as you say, they could sing the same song as somebody else mm -hmm. if they were dumb enough to do that. And Gil did do a great job. He he did sing it well, as I recall. And that's interesting that you reminded me that Simon mentioned about Justin having the X Factor because he hard, hardcore has the X Factor. He still does. Um, and the, there was something about him that was extremely lovable. Gil was more serious. He was yeah. a serious straight down the line and... He did sing well. He's an excellent singer. So, yes, personality did have a lot to do with it. And I agree with you about Christina Christian. She There was a, a sparkle she has when you looked at her. And I think the camera loved her. Sure, sure did. Simon, Simon Cowell had a crush on her. <laughs> he told her. He told her. She's a, a beautiful young woman. All of those women are beautiful. And, and, yeah. and I remember looking at... Uh, um, preparing for our interview, looking at some of the episodes again from season one, and I was thinking, boy, these are some gorgeous people. These are such beautiful looking people yeah. um, and talented. So, um, yes, the personality did have a lot to do with it. Having that, that, that star quality was a, a big deal, but that's what we were looking for. I believe that's what you were looking for when you were looking for an American Idol, especially the first one. Yeah. Um, because well, the first that's one... What Sorry, darling, but that's what annoyed Simon Cowell so much, that the public often didn't look at that. They were voting people on because Simon Cowell had been horrible to them, mm. and it annoyed him. And yet it was his fault that they were voting for them because he turned around on you know Jim Vararos and had a real go. Jim Vararos gets put through. Second semifinal, he has a real go at A.J. Gill. A.J. gets put through. Uh, and then he does this huge row with Randy Jackson on the third one. Um, but in truth, it was because Simon was having a real go at these kids that sometimes the public voted for them against Simon's wishes. You know, they wanted to get their own back on Simon. Interesting. Um, because I was wondering about EJ Day as part of that as well. I remember you said this, and I got this from you. If you would compliment them greatly, People would think they were safe and they wouldn't vote for them. It seems that they would vote for someone else. It's like, oh, okay, you're all right. Um, Simon loved you. It's, it, people are going to vote for you. But, but I think what also impressed me was watching who votes. And, and that first show showed me that as well because young girls would vote for cute guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also girls as well. Girls voted yeah, for yes. girls and guys. You're right. Um, and and I also found that if there if the girls were a little too sexy, they wouldn't get voted. They wouldn't get the That's votes. That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. At that first show, there was a beautiful seventeen-year-old called Alexis Lopez. Uh huh. All three judges thought that she was going to make it through when they were asked by Ryan and Brian, uh, but the public didn't put her through. Mm -hmm. Jim Vararos got through instead. <laughs> Tell me about Tamira Gray. Tamira Gray. Oh my goodness. I've got two things about Tamira Gray I'd like to mention. She was, I remember her being the first singer we saw on the show. And the, and the song she sang was And I Am Telling You. From Dreamgirls. From yeah. Dreamgirls, yes. Yeah. And I had done an edit with the music director, Kevin Bassinson. And I couldn't sleep that night because I hated the edit I gave her. And it drove me nuts. 
I couldn't sleep that night. And I went to the next rehearsal and I apologized and said, Tamira, I'm so sorry. I need to change your arrangement. And she was so courageous, fearless, talented. She said, no problem. And she, it, it, it really spoke to her um, musicianship because she let me change it on it. She turned on a dime and the rest is history. She did a great job. That was one of my, my only time that I just couldn't sleep about an arrangement. And I'm so glad it was her because she was just fine because there would have been other contestants who would have said, no, you can't change anything on me. Oh no, God, I just learned this. But she was great with that. Um, So I applauded her. And my other Tamira Gray story was during the Burt Bacharach week when she chose Superstar. House is not a home, she's saying. House is not a home, thank you. A house is not a home. And she was so upset. She only knew the Luther Vandross version. The long version. Yes, the slow, long version. Yeah. And so I remember singing the Dionne Warwick version to her, and it wouldn't settle with her. She was like, mm, that's nice, but no, I want to sing Luther's. And the... We, and we went round and round for a while. And what finally pulled her out of it, I believe, was I had my stopwatch in my hand. I let her sing Luther's version the way she wanted it. And I timed it. And at that time, I was relegated to no more than a minute and 15 seconds or a minute and 20 at that point, season one. And so she sang it and I timed her. And I think she got in half a verse. And that's all. <sighs> and that's what convinced her. I said, let's create a hybrid. We're going to create a hybrid of the Dion Warwick sprinkled with Luther. And she was ecstatic. And we worked and molded that thing. And it was her best performance. She got such great response from that. Absolutely. She actually got voted number one that week. Oh, so, so my... Yay, so my fight was worth it. Yay! It certainly was. And I've got to say, one of my favourite performances across the entire series. Uh, Let me take you back to semi-final two, when Simon Cowell said to Kelly Clarkson, very good, but I don't remember you. Why do you think that was? I spoke with Kelly about that. I said, why do you think they didn't remember you? And she said, she thinks it's her fault because she changed her look. She changed her hair, and I used to stand at the monitor so that I could see uh, see it through the, the screen, watch them head to toe, and watch the judges' responses to them. So um, I remember when she walked out and they all went, who's that? Who's that? Because they couldn't remember her. And that was also a very traumatic day for, uh, um, traumatic day for Kelly. Um, I don't know if you remember this. But during the, during the dress rehearsal, Kelly Clarkson had no high notes. She had zero high notes and she was panicked. And um, When you say that, dress, you mean her voice wouldn't go her voice, she, her voice could not produce. And the, the song starts on on a high E flat. Watch you. It's just, she just sings up in the sky. So she was in a major panic um, because she said she didn't wake up in enough time to warm up her voice because I always did, did everybody warm up their voices and Kelly said, I didn't, I warm up, I woke up too late. Fast forward rehearsal. She had no voice. Um, so they were getting ready for the dress and a PA came down and said, Kelly Clarkson is in tears. You have to help her. She has no notes. So I said, I, I said, I'll be right there. And I went I had I sent someone to the health food store, got a couple of things. I said, have Kelly get dressed, get mic'd up for the dress rehearsal. Um, so she came back downstairs because she was in tears. And I worked with her and we did a few things. And by the time it was the dress rehearsal, she came on that stage with her costume on, with her clothing on, and every note was there. Wow. And I remember the entire room turning to look at me going, what did you do to her? It was so great. And Kelly felt <sighs> great. Every note was there. And that was like within a half hour's time. Right. So she felt better. And then she said, because after the show, she said, 
that they didn't recognize me because of my hairdo. She said, I changed it and I should not have, which taught me that I would say to every female uh, contestant, do not change your hair because you want America to remember you and you want the judges to remember you. So if you come in with it short, leave it short for a few times. And then later you can change it when they know you. That was Kelly's confession about they didn't recognize me. <laughs> well, what's quite funny is I was talking to Randy Jackson the other week and he has a completely different memory about remembering her from day one uh, and how wonderful she was from the first day she walked in. <laughs> but uh, it's certainly got a far better memory than I have. Uh, let me take you to semifinal three. And that was the show that we had EJ Day step into uh, and I remember he did his arrangement over the telephone almost before he got in here. Uh, but what an amazing performance he gave. E.J. Day is an amazing singer. His, You know what? Okay, here's my theory. My theory is that E.J. Day was so in an, in an Adam Lambert lane before Adam Lambert came to American Idol, vocally uh-huh. speaking. Right, right. We had not had anyone sing like that except Adam Lambert and E.J. Day with with this wide-ranging voice that's just magnificent, so much so until, let me give you a little bit of uh, a little secret. Kelly Clarkson came over to me when E.J. Day was singing, and whenever E.J. sang, he was the only one, every singer would stop and put their tape recorder in front of E.J. Day at every rehearsal. And Kelly Clarkson came to me and said, Bird, how can I sing like him? Because EJ, everybody loved EJ's sound. His technique was extraordinary. Very aware of his instrument. And it was... And his uh, breath control. His, his breath control was amazing. Breath control was ama- amazing. His vocal facility, vocal technique, his uh, uh, range, his just his, his confidence in his instrument um, was very breathtaking. And every singer acknowledged that. So, yeah, he's a wide-range singer, very an excellent singer. Right. So let's move on to the wild card show, which would provide one more singer for the top ten. Uh, and did you have a favorite for that? Do you remember who came back for that? I think the wild cards were Angela Peel. Yeah, loved her. Kelly Glover. Yeah, she had a bit of a strangulated voice. Yeah, she did. She had that uh, that that kind of vocal sound when she sang yeah. Alexis Lopez that you mentioned yeah, and Chris Aaron. Chris Aaron, again, a great voice, good looking boy. Yes. And RJ Helton. Um, all of those people gave great performances. I remember Angela Peel's Run to You. Run and to it You, was yeah. such a great performance. And, and an original look as well, which I thought would, would do very well in the competition. She had that big sort of nose piercing and everything. She was a great look. I thought I thought she was beautiful. I agree. Um, I was sad that she didn't make it. I think her wild card song was not good. She sang a Shirley Murdoch song, As We Lay. You know, it always works better when people sort of know the song rather than listening to a brand new song from a brand new singer. Um, R.J. Helton now had the opportunity of singing without a big row going on. And he was the one that got through into the top 10. Were you surprised at that or would you have put somebody else through on that day? I can't say I would put somebody else through. I was I was disappointed because I thought all of them gave good performances their first time. Yeah. The second time, the songs just knocked them out of the running. Um, As We Lay by Angela Peel. I think Chris Aaron sang On Bended Knee. By um, Boys to Men, I think. Very slow. Yes, very slow. I, I wouldn't even want to see Boys to Men singing on bended <laughs> knee. Um, Kelly Glover sang, "How am I supposed to live without you?" Yes, you're being a bit mean here, Bird. You're I'm being, being a, a bit, bit mean. truthful. <laughs> yes, and I, and you know what, Kelly Glover to me is a beautiful young lady, and I just I kept trying to get her to not sing so throaty in the back of her throat. It was only as she went up the notes, I found. Otherwise, her voice was terrific. Yes. But as you rightly say, it just closed up yes. at the top notes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought all of them were wonderfully talented. So I just waited out and see who it's going to be. 
So we now have a top 10. Tamira Gray, Ryan Starr, Jim Vararos, AJ Gill, Kelly Clarkson, Justin Guarini, Christina Christian, EJ Day, Nikki McKibben, and RJ Helton. Now, I felt as though the final would probably be between Justin Guarini and Tamira Gray. What are your thoughts? I can see that. Absolutely, I can, I can see that. And there was a certain energy that jumped off them uh, when they performed, when they were being interviewed. There's a confidence, that's the word, confidence that they both had. And they were very courageous. It's like, okay, I've got this. Uh, and I think because of that, that's when Kelly Clarkson's fight kicked in. That's, that was always my favorite part. Any given season, you see who the front runners are. And the other contestants would go, oh, that's the person I have to be. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, I've got to agree with you. And, and I think that's what happened the week that Kelly Clarkson sang Natural Woman. Tell us about that. By this time, her voice was getting tired. So I had lowered the key and she was okay with it. By the time we got to Capitol Records and were recording the tracks, she was doubting the key. And so she pulled me aside at Capitol. She said, Bird, come here. She said, would you do this? And she sang for me and she jumped up a couple of octaves. Um, and I said, I would do it in a heartbeat. She said, you would? I said, absolutely, yes. I said, so you what must. sort of note was that, Bird? Where did well, you go to? Well, if I may, she, it, at first it was, she sang, because of you, you make me feel so. And she jumped up on the word alive. And then she stayed up there and did a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, mm, just sing, just hit one note. Don't try and do a whole thing um, because it's cleaner and get out of it in a, with a bluesy vocal phrase. And I said, because if you do an entire line, it compares you to Mariah Carey. And right. she said, and she said, oh, I don't want to be compared to Mariah Carey. And then she said, and that's why I don't want to do the note. I said, number one, you should do one note. Don't do a whole slew, a, a bunch of them. Yes, don't do the run because you will not be competing with Mariah Carey because Mariah Carey is not a contestant. So yeah. it's okay if you do it. And she said, okay. And I remember, I don't know. I'm not sure if she recorded it on her track. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But I know that before the show, I would say, are you going to do the, are you going to do the note? She said, I still haven't decided. She said she had spoken with her mother and her mother said, you're going to do it. And Kelly told her mother she didn't know. And she said, I won't know until I walk on stage. She said, so mom, if you hear me do the note on stage, you will know that Bird has twisted my arm. I said, don't tell your mother that. <laughs> I didn't twist your arm. So she did it when she came on stage and immediately everyone lashed onto it because of the performance was magnificent. Magnificent. I mean, I watched people's eyeballs bulge on that note. I mean, this was really mini Ripperton area. Mariah yes. Carey, mini Ripperton. It's up there in the right. stratosphere, you know. That's right. And so she's got, and those are called whistle notes. And, oh, are they? Thank yes. you. Yes. And Kelly Clarkson has whistle notes, and she doesn't use them often. It really pushed her forward in the competition, and all of a sudden she was the front runner. Well, there was never a point after that where Simon could say, I don't remember you. I'm very happy that it happened. I'm very happy that she trusted me. That's another trust thing. That's why I always say, thank you for trusting me. And that's a, yeah. that's a prime example. Well, I'd love to talk to you another day and talk about the finale of season one, Justin Guarini against Kelly Clarkson. Absolutely, yes. And thank you so much for today. And good luck with everything you're doing. It's my pleasure, Nigel. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I love being on the ground floor of that show. And I thank you, not just for all of the work that you did, but how you kept your patience throughout it. Oh. You, were, you are my Wonder Woman. Woohoo! Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. God bless. Stay safe. Thank you, you as well. Take care. Thank you, bye-bye. And thank you for listening today. Now, don't forget to subscribe and in rating us, be more like Paula rather than Simon, okay? I think I've mentioned this to you before, but 
I've got to say it again, because whether you're working at home or working on your fitness and you want to be listening to what you're listening to and not to what someone else is listening to, then you need a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds started about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are fantastic. With six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, which is what I love, and more compact design that gives you a nice, noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, I sometimes fall asleep while I'm listening to something when I've gone to bed. They're perfect for conference calls or binging podcasts, particularly my podcasts. Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems to distract anyone during video calls. Now is the time to get the latest and the greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash idle. That's buyraycon.com slash idle for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash idle. So if you want to hear more stories from my idle memories, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay safe. Cue music. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.